coming up on Philosophy Talk. Peering into the murky abyss, Spock saw something he had never seen before. Not a vision, not a light, but a feeling. A feeling he didn't understand. Wonderment. Descartes said that the purpose of wonderment is to get us to learn and remember. But why does wonder have to have a purpose? You want to waste your life staring slack-jawed at rainbows? You want science to take all the joy out of rainbows? I stand in awe of existence. You're going to tie me up. It's important to nourish your mind as well as your body. Our guest is Helen DeCruz from St. Louis University, author of Wonderstruck, How Wonder and Awe Shape the Way We Think. What makes you go wow? In awe of wonder, coming up on Philosophy Talk. Hey, philosopher. Just taking a moment to thank you for being a listener. And asking you to please consider making an end-of-year gift to support the program so that we can continue to question everything. Except your intelligence. This year, it's been everything from cancel culture to contradictions, from wise women to weird wants. So head on over to our website, philosophytalk.org, and click support us at the top of the page. Or give the gift of thought to the other philosopher in your life with a subscription to our library of nearly 600 episodes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for thinking. And thank you for supporting Philosophy Talk. Where does our sense of wonder come from? Does wonder have a purpose or is it gloriously useless? How can we pay more attention to marvelous things? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Josh Landy. And I'm Ray Briggs. We're coming to you from the studios of KALW San Francisco Bay Area. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where Ray teaches philosophy, and I direct the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today we're standing in awe of wonder. Wonder is such a cool emotion, and we can feel it towards so many things. The, the stars above us, the beauty of nature all around us, the, the artistic feats that human beings are capable of. Yeah, and not just big things either. Watching a hummingbird in your garden, hearing a beautiful guitar solo, or feeling the sand underneath your feet at the beach. Those things can fill you with wonder too. Right, and, and these experiences are always inspiring. They, they comfort us. They motivate us. They, they add to the richness of life. It's like Rachel Carson said, if, if you have a sense of wonder, you're never really alone. I don't know about that always inspiring part, Josh. The cosmos is wonderful. But think about what Blaise Pascal said. The eternal silence of these infinite spaces terrifies me. I'm not convinced that experiences of wonder are always so positive. Okay, that's a fair point. I mean, sometimes we can get overwhelmed by stuff we don't understand. But still, a lot of the time, wonder feels miraculous. Plus, it's also useful. Useful? How is it useful to sit in your garden staring at a hummingbird for two hours? Because right, it motivates us to get curious, you know, to find stuff out about the world. Remember what Socrates says in Plato's Theotetus. Wonder is the origin of philosophy. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. Look, when I was 14, I had this friend with a Ouija board. And it seemed pretty mysterious, and it filled us with wonder. We read a whole bunch of books about ghosts and spirits. That was fun, but I wouldn't exactly call it knowledge. <laughs> yeah, I guess I wouldn't either. Very, okay, so it turned out in your case there weren't any actual ghosts, but... I don't know. I still think the Ouija board probably did something useful for you. It, it kept your mind open to new possibilities. Uh, not all strange things turn out to be true, but some do. 
And it's good to be on the lookout for when that happens. No, it's only good to be on the lookout for strange possibilities if you're right more often than you're wrong. And most of the time, the world is pretty mundane. Most of the time it's mundane? What about black holes? What about dark matter? A quantum entanglement? Or, Or the fact that the universe had a beginning or didn't have a beginning? I think the universe is a wild and wacky place, and wonder fills us with respect for that wildness and wackiness. You know, your problem is that you think that wonder has to have a point. You say it fills us with respect, it keeps us open to new possibilities, it sets us on the path to knowledge. Why not just relax and enjoy the ride? Why can't we do both? I mean, I love disappearing into an experience of wonder as much as the next person. I love letting that time drift away while I sit staring at a Rothko painting. But but once I'm done staring, I often feel like going to the library and checking out a bunch of art history books. Yeah, I still think looking at it that way makes you miss out. You're intellectualizing your feelings. You're acting like they have to be about something. Why can't you get out of your head and into your heart? But feelings are always about something. I mean, if I feel afraid, it's because there's something scary out there. If I feel angry, it's because somebody hurt me. And if I feel wonder, it's because I'm seeing something surprising and unexplained. Your head is involved in all of these emotions, whether you like it or not. Yeah, you're, you're saying that the whole point of wonder is that it motivates you to explain things. And that just can't be right. Finding explanations encourages your sense of wonder. It doesn't make it go away. If your sense of wonder went away every time you found an explanation, that would be tragic. Who says the world isn't tragic? Maybe it's like Proust says. Once you understand a piece of music, there's one more bit of knowledge in the world and one less bit of beauty. I hope not. Maybe our guest will be able to set both of our minds at ease. It's Helen DeCruz, author of Wonderstruck, How Wonder and Awe Shape the Way We Think. And speaking of being wonderstruck, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Holly J. McDeed, to talk to people who find wonder in all kinds of things, from the farthest reaches of the cosmos to incredibly close confines. She files this report. Ooh! Mm. Ouch! Yum, yum. Those are all examples of vocal bursts. <gasps> and then there's whoa. Dacher Keltner examines woes in his book, Awe, the new science of everyday wonder and how it can transform your life. Keltner is a psychology professor and faculty director of the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley. He writes that woe is one of the most universal human sounds, and it conveys the emotion we call awe. It was really the birth of my first daughter, Natalie, where I was just blown away and awestruck, and I felt like my life had been transformed. His team was struggling with how to study awe. They gathered stories from 26 different countries, asking people to tell a story of an experience with awe. One of the stories from his book comes from a cellist named Yumi Kendall, who plays for the Philadelphia Orchestra. She said, well, you know, when I start playing music uh, and I think about the notes I play, I realize like I'm part of this human tradition of music that's thousands of years old. It's probably 80,000 years old. The vibrations coming out of the cello produce sounds that flow into space. She's like, God, it, the notes vibrate in my body, and then I'm part of this symphony, and we're part of producing these sounds, and I understand the meaning. 
It feels like a cashmere blanket of sound. Kendall talks about playing Mozart's Requiem in the Science of Happiness podcast. A Requiem is a mass for the dead, and she thought of her grandfather. Then it suddenly changes like 20 seconds in to this angelic, like bright white light, like the heavens opened, and a super peaceful soprano singing, angels, angel voices kind of feeling. Mm. And I got goosebumps. I felt like grandfather was listening. Kellner says answering the question of why music is so powerful may be one of his last acts in the world of awe. With questions comes wonder. In science, wonder seems like a developmental stage that you go through to get to knowledge. And it's a kind of temporary state where the questions are popping everywhere and then you figured it out and you know things. That's Elizabeth Kessler, a lecturer in American studies at Stanford and author of Picturing the Cosmos, Hubble Space Telescope Images and the Astronomical Sublime. From this distant vantage point, the Earth might not seem of any particular interest. But for us, it's different. Consider again that dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. Before the astronomical sublime got to her, Kessler was interested in romanticism and landscape paintings. But I started seeing a lot of the astronomical images that were online, whether it was views from very early Mars rovers to uh, the then early Hubble Space Telescope images. And it struck me that many of them looked like romantic landscape paintings and photographs. For instance, the pillars of creation. The choice of colors there indicate scientific information. They speak to the relative wavelengths of the different observations that were made there. But it also ends up creating a scene with a blue background and these clouds of gas and dust look kind of yellowish, orangish, brownish. So it looks like a kind of landscape. She says images from the cosmos help us think of possibilities and potential in times of catastrophe. Like in 2022, when NASA released the first images from Hubble's successor, the James Webb Space Telescope. Light where stars were born and from where they die. Light from the oldest galaxies, the oldest documented light in the history of the universe. In a moment where we often feel weighted down, whether pandemic, climate change, catastrophe after catastrophe, to have a glimpse of something even inadequate that speaks to awe, that speaks to wonder, that speaks to the potential for transcendence, gives us some other way forward. And we sure could use fewer reasons to murmur oh. or uh. or eek and more reasons to go. Whoa. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly Jimmy Deed. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.